Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes, and this is Let's Talk America. Well, today I'm going to be talking to somebody who uh, the prospect of, of our conversation gives me uh, a lot of pleasure and excitement, actually. He is the managing editor of WorldNet Daily. He's also the editor of their Whistleblower magazine, but a, a columnist, commentator, and author in his own right, who has been producing books uh, that take a good hard look at what has been going on, uh, essentially to undermine both the character, the political institutions of the United States, uh, um, and finally, uh, the understanding, the fundamental understanding uh, that is necessary if we are to maintain what has been our heritage as a free people. Uh, He's somebody who writes about these things uh, very often in depth. He's a great researcher. Uh, And then he applies what he understands to come to conclusions uh, that I think can be both thought-provoking and eye-opening. The first part of that, you can guess, is very important to me. So we'll be back to get started with that right after this. So great when you're a multitasking person. You can listen to them around the house, when you're out in the car, when you take a walk. Now we have put our shows on to podcasts. You can listen to Let's Talk America uh, on podcasts. You can find them at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and other apps. While you're there, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Thanks for listening and supporting us. Together, we're changing the world. Want more IMTV episodes? We are now streaming through Roku. Roku is a device that enables you to stream entertainment to your TV through your internet provider. The starting price is only $29, and you can purchase one either online or through your local electronics retailer. It's easy to use, and you won't have to worry about missing any more IMTV episodes. IMTV, changing the world. Welcome back. Well, some of you probably know that for many very fruitful years, I wrote a column for WorldNet Daily. Uh, and got to know both uh, the political culture there and the folks there really well. Uh, I have great admiration for the work that they do and for the opportunity they provide uh, for thoughtful conservative voices to be out there and to be considered uh, in spite of all the nastiness and ridicule that you encounter. Now, you can bet that like all such outlets these days, but especially a venerable one like WND. They're under serious pressures of various kinds being orchestrated these days to try to silence that voice. But I thank God that it's not succeeding. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, my guest is David hey, Allen, um, and I'm really glad to see you. <laughs> Alan, it's great to see you. It's been a long time. Well, what prompted me to get in touch with you was the column you wrote the other day about Uh, Well, what appears to be, and I've commented on it a lot, uh, it appears that two things are happening right now in our political sphere. Uh, Some people try to encapsulate one aspect of it uh, under the rubric of the Democrats going crazy. But I think that as you were uh, basically approaching it in your article, there's something more to it than madness. Because these are folks who are getting out there, as they did during the impeachment so-called process against Donald Trump, and they seem capable of just telling lies without the least bit of compunction. Uh, I mean, they're lies that anybody who knows a little bit about the subject will know are lies. But the problem is that these days, information is so channelized and repressed by uh, the folks who have taken over the job of mass communications, which is essentially the tech giants uh, who deal with the internet and social media outlets and so forth, uh, that the people who know enough to know that they're lying are only a small percentage, relatively speaking, of the people who are reached now by all these social networks. So it takes a long time for the truth to catch up with their lies, and they seem to know it. Um, you analyzed that very well in your columns. Uh, could you just describe to us uh, what you think is the real nature uh, of the challenge we face with all this political deception and lies and why on earth they are so comfortable and sure of themselves as they uh, engage in this strategy of deceit? 
Well, Alan, if if you want to shoot right down to the very, very bottom line of it and bypass all the political explanations and, oh, they're in the grip of an ideology and they're playing to their base and, um, you know, mental health issues, what's narcissism and it's schmarcissism, uh, all these things which are all a certain amount of truth to them, when you get really right down to it, we're dealing with a kind of a... Um, I can quote the Bible if it's not. I don't think we've we haven't banned the Bible yet in America yet, have we? I don't hmm. think so. Not on uh, this, not on this station, one, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Romans one very famously uh, talks about what happens when people rebel against God and do it so, uh, just so for so long and so deeply and so stubbornly uh, that eventually God says, "Okay, have it your way." Hmm. Okay. Let's see how that worked out for you. And he, and it says he gave them over to depraved thinking and depraved behaviors and all this very famous passage of the Apostle Paul writing to the new believers in Rome. Honestly, Alan, like you said, I've spent years analyzing this. I wrote the book, The Marketing of Evil, looking at all this through a marketing prism. I've looked at this through every conceivable, you know, political, yeah, they want power, all the rest of it, and when it comes right down to it, when you can look right into a camera and lie, flat out lie, to millions of people essentially, because that's what's at the other end of that camera, um, you're, you're dealing with something that is not logical and not reasonable. It is a, a depraved thinking that, that people have. See, look, we are human beings are spiritual creatures. We're going to follow, we're either going to follow God or we're going to follow some other deceiving spirit. We are not, I, I have a dog, okay? The mm. dog has a dog's nature, okay? There's no moral dimension with animals, okay? Kitty cats aren't good and sharks are not bad, okay? They're all just, the animal dimension is, is, is um, there's no good or bad to it. They just have a nature. They're prey and predator. Okay, human beings, we, we live in this moral dimension of good and evil. And the secular worldview now wants to deny that. But you know what? It doesn't free them from it. <laughs> they're, just in, they're just more blind to it. But we, we live in this moral dimension where if we are not following God, then we are going to, we're going to be given over and to follow really dark spirits. I quoted... A famous line from the uh, Brother Karamatov book by Dostoevsky in that column, and the mm. and the, the the phrase is, "If there is no God, everything is permitted." Mm. That's a chilling statement, and that pretty much summarizes the hard left, which has swallowed up the Democratic Party. And and Alan, you know, people wonder, well, these people are married; they have children. How do they sleep at night? They don't seem totally insane. How can they do this? I just want to throw one more little factor into the midst. And that is that from early on, they have been comparing Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler. Now, Hitler killed 11 million people. Trump has killed zero people. Mm. Obviously, Trump is not Hitler. But by making Trump into Hitler... They basically eliminate all rules because that is how the left likes it. They don't like any rules, right? And so if, you know, you know your history, there were, there were, what, 16 plots that we know of to assassinate Hitler, right? And those people were all heroes. Bonhoeffer was hanged mm. by the Nazis for his supposed involvement in the the 20 July plot, one of those plots. They made it into a big movie, Valkyrie, with Tom Cruise. These good people are heroes. So, and Alan, if you and I were living in Germany during the Third Reich, and we were patriots like the Klaus von Stauffenbergs and others were, okay, and we were committed to, you know, assassinating Hitler and ending a terrible war and stopping a genocide and all that, you know what? We would be lying our heads off all day long because we're we are behind enemy lines, mm. right? Sun said, you know, um, a war is deception. We are, we're at war 
who are lying and cheating all day because we're at war, we're trying to slay a terrible dragon, okay? That is the mindset. I'm doing the, the universal crazy sign here. That is the mindset that the left has set up for not just the Bernie bros, but like the, the Democrats in general. Trump is Hitler. It's insane. He has a very sensible, moderate, center-right platform. He doesn't do anything that's crazy. He has a very surprisingly moderate and sensible and well-advised platform. But they make him into Hitler because if he's Hitler, there are no rules. Everything is permitted, and they can lie their heads off, which they do. One of the things that I think well illustrates what you're saying, and I took it to be an, uh, an important kind of watershed, if you knew what was going on, uh, was the promotion, uh, not just of homosexuality and all of that. That is a rebellion against God's rule. Yes, it's a rebellion against the traditional understanding. But what I found most intriguing in recent years is this insistence that we are now going to have enforced as law respect for what essentially amounts to the sexual fantasy life of certain individuals who have the bodies that science tell us are the bodies of men or the bodies of a woman or the body of a woman. But if they wake up one day and feel like they're the opposite or feel like they're something else, then we are obliged to accept that, to call them by that gender name, to tolerate being screamed at and yelled at if we don't. And now they're even trying to make it a subject for being fined and imprisoned if you're not giving them respect for their fantasies. Um, Absolutely. And that, it seems to me, because you, you referred to the fact that there was a sense in which, and we see it, I think, in various ways, whether it's the theory of evolution uh, or the fact-value distinction or other things, where the idea that science had to have a basis in uh, an empirical basis, a basis in experience that could then be systematically validated, right? According to a rule of systematic logic that was essentially mathematical uh, and that would therefore produce reliable and repeatable results and so forth. But once they started this, David, it seemed to me that that takes a step beyond that makes science also an adversary. They're not just saying get rid of God because we have to base everything on the mechanical and non-spiritual activities of matter. They're saying that the logic which helped us to discover the order that has produced our cars, our atom bombs, and our other conveniences of life, we must simply disregard the discipline that allows that scientific inquiry to take place in an orderly way. So they, in discarding that science, it seems to me, we're confronted by something that is no longer discarding God on any rational basis. They are, in fact, becoming champions of the notion that there is no rational basis for human choice and that whim must govern according to whoever has the power to impose the whim. Am I wrong? No, you're not. You're absolutely right. The, you raise an interesting point, Alan, is that, you know, traditional liberalism, their, their policies and platforms may have been wrong, okay, but there was a rational basis. There's a rational argument for, let's say, raising the minimum wage, okay, or having gun control. They, they may be like terribly out of touch with reality and they, they end up with uh, creating the opposite effect they want. But it's not crazy to say, I want people to have a living wage so they can, you know, one parent can support a family, or we want to take these guns off the streets to stop all this crime. When we get into the kind of, you know, crazy woke left-wing agenda that you're talking about, there is no rational basis for saying that a man who feels like a woman is a woman or that we should throw open our borders and allow invite everybody in the world to come to our country and, and promise them all free health care okay mm -hmm. that's not liberal that's insane and mm -hmm. it's suicidal and 
it's actually very quickly suicidal, not like ultimately will lead to our death. It will quickly destroy the, uh, the uh, you know, the whole, the, the gross world product is something under a hundred trillion dollars. That's what like the entire world earns in a year. Okay. That's how much they want to spend on the Green New Deal and on, you know, um, retiring all of student loan debts, all these kind of things. So the, what, what, what the left is doing right now really is in a state of, of advanced delusion. And, and I want to say, Alan, that with the left, everything is projection. You talked about science, okay? They are, there's a scripture that says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and, and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and all that. Okay, the left claims to be the party of science, okay? They are the people that say that a man who feels like and thinks he's a woman should be able to go and use the women's locker rooms and dressing rooms and dominate their sports and and so forth because you know and and there is if you've looked into it there is no scientific basis there is no body of research for any of this but they have so intimidated academia which is where where most of the research is done done in association with institutions of higher learning that there is a lot of real garbage out there now that appears as peer-reviewed uh, peer-reviewed studies um and you know you make me think of something else alan when you mentioned about the whole like transgender issue and the, the gay issue and all this the fact is that regardless of what the secular world thinks there really is a god there is good and evil okay and so when we do crazy sinful bad stuff there is a guilt that accrues inside us. Whether we want to face it or not, you know, that's why we have, you know, people drinking themselves to death and drugging themselves to death and lying all the time. But what the left does is they project it onto us. They say they are the most race-obsessed people. Look, Alan, America is the least racist nation in the history of the world, okay? It's the most multi-ethnic, uh, live and let live, I don't give a rip what your color or ethnicity is country that's ever existed. Okay. Uh, but they pretend that they're so upset over this systemic racism and all this kind of stuff. And I have to apologize for being white now and so forth. Okay. But that is, they, they project, they are obsessed with race. So they say that conservatives are obsessed with race. They, they say to heck with science. They have this imaginary science that the world's going to be uninhabitable in 12 years. Okay, that's not real. Even the even the UN um, panel that AOC quoted when she said we're all going to be dead, that's not what they're saying. They have come out and said no, that's that's stupid. That's not what we're saying. We're saying by 2030 it would be good if such and such happened. So the left is not only delusional but they are projecting their delusion and their immorality onto, onto everybody else. So they, this is something that I think, you know, I think Barack Obama did a lot, of, a lot of this during his eight years in office. He really pushed the country and the culture and the politics to the left because honestly, Alan, a lot of the stuff that's being said right now on the debate stage and by all the Democratic candidates four years ago was considered nuts. Hmm. Okay, and now it's mainstream, and you're not actually qualified to run on the Democratic side if you don't go along with it. Well, I think part of the problem seems to be that their expectations about certain scientific results were disappointed. As, uh, and, and, and I think of this in the area where we were just discussing it, in terms of uh, they thought it might be possible that there'd be some kind of basis in the genome or in genetics or whatever for a homosexuality. Well, come to find out that's not so. Matter of fact, come to find out, the more they understand, the more it appears to be the case that the distinction between male and female is not just a matter of genitalia and outward appearances and not even a matter of those uh, functionalities. It, it is to be found in the genes themselves. 
where there is a difference, a distinct difference, between the complement of genes that women have and the complement of genes that men have, and that difference seems to be related to the function right. of procreation. So they're not, only, they're not only disappointed, they're utterly refuted. And science becomes the enemy of their ideological position. Sadly, I think the same thing... It's true. The same thing has happened with abortion. Right? Because their whole argument, which they were relying on, Roe v. Wade, what was Roe v. Wade based on? It was based on the notion that the child's just a mass of cells. You can't uh, qualify that as a person, and so forth and so on. Come to find out, the distinctive markers of humanity are present in the, 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 the uh, nascent child from the moment of conception. That's agreed upon now by all the scientific people. We know that that's true. Therefore, the case for saying that's not a person is gone. Uh, in, the, in the decision Roe v. Wade, Blackman makes a lot of, of, of saying that, well, the word person appears only to apply to walking around people. That is to say, to people you can see in the world. Well, thanks to our science, we can see a great many things that were not visible to us in the past. And one of those things happens to be the things that we can, by which we can know that we are human and uh, other animals around us are not. That that humanity has distinctive uh, uh, features from the moment of conception and that those distinctive features are then related uh, to other qualities and attributes that we will manifest. So there is no basis, in other words, for denying the personhood of the child in the womb. That is just an assertion now being enforced by power without any scientific or rational basis. It seems to me that part of their problem now is that if they accept the authority of science, they have to reject a great deal of what they've been promoting during my whole lifetime. Well, Alan, um, you know, I'm a grandfather now. My my uh, granddaughter was one yesterday. I remember that she was holding her in my arms and feeling... Not just looking at her, gorgeous little baby, they're all gorgeous, and feeling life there, and actually shedding a few tears because that was just the same month that we had all of the, um, you know, the Virginia governor saying, yeah, it's okay to kill babies after they're born, and the World Trade Center was lit up in pink to celebrate New York's new abortion law, and, and, and so on and so forth. They're not making the argument anymore that this is not a person because as you said science is on the pro-life side okay uh and in fact you mentioned Roe versus Wade if what is known now were known in 1973 I'm not sure that they could have passed Roe versus Wade the way they did what was known about I I remember interviewing Bernard Nathanson uh who was like the, the ran the biggest abortion clinic on the East Coast uh, before he turned and became the greatest uh, pro-lifer. But uh, he he was saying, while he was still a self-described atheist Jew, okay, before he converted to Catholicism in 1996, okay, I interviewed him in 1990, he had turned against abortion, but he was still an atheist, but he said, but he had a soul, and he said, you know what, it is the the windows into the womb, it is the amniocentesis, the ultrasound, it's all these scientific methodologies where we're going in and looking at seeing it says, I'm like, God, what am I doing? This is my patient. This yeah. is this I can't be, be killed. And that's what he said, and he was very well, eloquent. See, I think that one of the things you're noting there is that uh, people who actually had a real scientific vocation of whatever kind, they acknowledge truth as their master, and when it, something appears to be right. true, they're not going to reject it. The people we're talking about appear to have no such inclination. And when we get back for our second segment, we're going to go a little bit further into what leads people like this on the Democrat side and on the side of all of these fanciful assertions that are now going to be enforced with brutally, it seems, in many cases, uh, with, with, with power. Uh, what leads them to think? 
that they can get away with discarding science, discarding reason, and simply telling us that now everything is about their will to power. And if they have it, they mean that we will do whatever they tell us. Hmm? Is that going to turn out that way? We'll talk about this a little more right after these words. I'm Alan Keyes. I just want to let you know that on a recurring basis every Tuesday, we're going to have a guest, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. He's going to be joining us to talk about the whole array of challenges, both in terms of our health as a people and as individuals, and our health as a nation. We'll be looking at those things through the eyes of someone who has thought deeply about many things and who has many great ideas to share with me and with you and with everyone who tunes in to Let's Talk America on Tuesdays when we meet with the Health Ranger to talk about how we sustain the health of our liberty. Welcome back. Now, when we went out for the break, uh, we had uh, started into a discussion of how scientific understanding and the fruits of it have been challenging the basis uh, for the ideological positions, if I can call them that, that were being taken on fundamental issues like human sexuality and, and the identity, in fact, of individual human beings and how much that was subject to human, what, what, what will I call it? Creativity, I think, is the word they like to use. But that's the reason I, uh, that came to mind. Um, and David, I think this is very interesting because it goes back to the point you made really at the start. They have been asserting as a human faculty something that actually belongs to God and God alone. And that is the faculty of creation. They call it creativity, but in various ways, in their philosophy of the 20th century and then translated into the cultural ideology uh, that is now being mobilized to destroy the United States, they act as if human beings have the power of creation uh, and, and, and that that can be somehow validated if enough people get together, come up with some crazy idea, and then pound everybody else's head into the sand in order to make it stick. Uh, it seems to me that though it pretends to be all humanistic and full of desires for utopia, that's just the same old nastiness that without the fancy justification motivated tyrants and oppressors and conquerors of the worst sort and of the most murderous ilk throughout human history. Is that wrong? No, you're, you're right, Alan. And I, you know, just to start with the science thing, science is just an aspect of truth, okay? The left is very truth challenged, okay? They're not interested in truth, not, you know, they're not really interested in science. They're not really interested, except insofar as they can claim that it validates their positions. Uh, they're not interested in the lessons of history or of sound economics or of you know Judeo-Christian moral precepts that have been at the, the you know the, at the root of the success of Western civilization in the U.S. and in Europe and so forth until until recently. Um, uh, they're they're not interested in any of that because, as you say, and I hope it doesn't sound too clunky and pedantic, but they are at war with God. Mm. And what I mean by that is well, there is a creator. I mean, I'm looking out the window in my office here, all these trees and birds and amazing creation. And you know what? Like, it's like Obama said, you didn't make that. You didn't build that. I didn't. Obama didn't. Mm -hmm. Trump mm -hmm. didn't. There is a creator. You have to be a moron to not realize that there is a creator of, of all of this and we know that the creator has certain moral laws. If you ever read um, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, he starts from the point of, of basically ignoring whether people believe in the Bible or anything else and says, I can show you from just from everyday experience, there is a universal moral law that we all agree with. Okay? Mm -hmm. And he builds in that case for God and then for Christ and so forth. It's a brilliant book. 
Um, but the left doesn't like that. They, they, they don't like the fact that there is a creator that's kind of lorded over them, how they behave. There are certain behaviors that are forbidden, sexual behaviors, other things. We have the Ten Commandments. They don't like that. I wrote a, a column a while back, uh, something like, why the Democrats uh, 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 violate all of the Ten Commandments. And I go through them one mm -hmm. by one. I saw that. And I show how, you know, thou shalt not murder. You have abortion. Thou shalt not steal. What do you think socialism, spreading the wealth around, is all about? You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. You have the whole sexual revolution that comes from the left, okay? Um, you know, um, what's the next one? Thou shalt not uh, 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 speak falsely against thy neighbor. The left has everything to do with with speaking falsely against the neighbor, with with attacking uh, conservatives as being racist and bigots and homophobes and transphobes and all kinds of words that didn't even exist till 20 minutes ago. Uh, and then the tenth commandment about thou shalt not covet. You know, Churchill called socialism the gospel of envy. At its root, it is based on envy. And as we remember, the very first guy who envied was Lucifer. He was an angel of light, but he envied God. So, and then God threw him down to earth and to hell, and somehow his spirit has gotten mixed up, and uh, it's still infecting the human race like the coronavirus. And so we have these people who are, even in America today, that are, um, are really entranced by this idea of socialism and they don't realize they, they, they don't realize that it does yeah you know, I, I kind of understand with young people they don't know anything they may be smart but they're not experienced in life big college debts and so I understand how they can get sucked into that but the people like the Nancy Pelosi's and the Adam Schiff's the adults in the room who know better okay they are in rebellion and I'll just put it that way. They are in rebellion against God and his laws. And you can't really put it more bottom line than that. And But I want to add a thought to that, Alan. You talked about how they want to force you. They don't want to just say that a man is a woman and, and so forth, okay? Um, and we had Rachel Dolezal, who was all, you know, white person who claimed that she's black. She was like a local leader for the NAACP, so forth, Okay. If you can say if a man is a woman, when it's written into every cell, you and I are grown men. We have something like 37 trillion cells in our body, Alan, you and me. And each of those is permanently branded with male chromosomes. There is no such thing as transgender. You cannot change your gender. I cannot become a black man. You cannot become a white man. It's all silly. Okay. But... So that's, but, but the thing is that when they become in the grip of these delusions and it has a political aspect because they want to use and leverage all this wilderness and this, uh, you know, parsing up all of us into balkanizing the country into different groups, warring with each other for the sake of power and all that. There's a dynamic here I started to get into before is that they accrue guilt for doing this because even Though you deny God, it does God not exist. You can deny gravity and jump out of a 10-story building. You're still going to die, okay, because gravity is the law is still there. So they accrue guilt. And the way they deal with the guilt of rebelling against God is they have to shut up truth. That is what is behind all of the attacks on free speech. With First Amendment, attacks on the First Amendment, I feel it every day because... We get banned and shadow banned and all the rest of it because we're basically a Christian organization at, at WND, just like yourself. And so why why does the left, they can't stand, it's like it's like this, the noonday sun for a vampire. It can't stand it. It has to go back into its casket or whatever, or put the light out, okay? So that is why we have laws saying that, you know, you know, keys, if you don't use the right pronoun, this is what got Jordan Peterson in trouble up in Canada. Okay? He said, no, you can put me in prison forever and throw away the key. I will not use your pronouns and your speech and think the way you want. I'd rather die, rather live in prison 
then become an automaton of the state mm. that way. But there's a reason they have to do it, Alan. They have to do it because to speak the truth and say, wait, a man cannot be a woman. An well, anorexic girl who is dangerously skinny who thinks she's fat is not fat. We're not well, doing her any favors for saying she's fat. Let me ask a question. Because, and, and it shifts ground, but only a little. And, uh, and it's because we are coming at this, I believe, you and I, from a Christian perspective. That means from the perspective of understanding who Christ is and learning from him. But in order to understand who he is, we then also have to go back and imbibe the understanding of who God is that is presented in the Old Testament. So the two things sort of go together. Um, and, and what is intriguing me these days and disturbing uh, me because it suggests the very, very deep root uh, of what is happening here that goes beyond politics or anything else is that you now have in so many of the Christian denominations, and I have to say this, and much to my chagrin, but also surprise, I was not foresightful in this regard as I might have been. Uh, uh, it, it, it has infected the highest levels of the Catholic Church, not only in terms of advocating bad behavior and rejecting things that are contrary to the commandments and so forth, which a few years ago, 10, 15 years ago, that was appearing, right? Uh, but now the, 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 the Pope and, and others are going down a road that essentially denies the understanding of who God is in such a way as to ignore his sovereign power, his responsibility for the creation of the universe, and what are, in terms of the, the relative knowledge of humanity, the consequences of his being an infinite, all-knowing being responsible for the creation of the whole. It seems like Christian leaders are now becoming susceptible to the abandonment of the understanding of God that then takes the universe from being a kind of disordered place in which we get to pretend that our discoveries are imposing order on the universe and makes it into a cosmos, a place already ordered by a mind uh, that in its full intensity and complexity and extent transcends our mind and probably always will. Uh, that is God. Uh, what has given rise to this disastrous abandonment of truth about God from people who call themselves Christians? Yeah, really great question, Alan. You know, um, it's been said that if you were the devil and you wanted to undermine uh, and subvert mankind, what institutions would you attack? Uh, probably number one would be the church, and then you'd have the news media uh, and education. Probably those three are the, the biggest, right? Um, mm. And thereby into government and all the rest. Uh, but it, it, it is, look, you know, some of my favorite Christian books are written by people that have been dead for like 300, 350 years and so mm. forth. And uh, it seems like even back then, they were kind of critical of the institutional church, whether it's the Roman Catholic Church or the, the uh, Protestant Church or whatever. Um, it, you, ha you have flawed, broken people that are attempting to carry forward the message, uh, a transcendent message of, of, of the gospel. Um, and sometimes they're just like their flawedness and brokenness end up being kind of uh, superficial or hypocritical or not all there. And then sometimes you have uh, spectacular corruption like the Catholic Church was in the Middle Ages and so forth and all that. Uh, and so I know a lot of people are not happy with the current Pope who seems kind of like a, a you know, a typical uh, South American left-leaning mm. um you know, I mean, he seems like a good guy. But a lot he of seems, stuff he, he, seems he seems, David, to be exactly like, oh, a Jesuit. 
<laughs> like the ones I used to encounter when I was in, in, at, 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 in college and, and going through my graduate studies. You would occasionally encounter the Jesuit priests uh, who were essentially uh, totally surrendered uh, to the materialistic understanding of the world. It was as if they had abandoned the notion that God is really present in all things. Yeah, it's really, honestly, Alan, this is the, the most important message in life, is this, this, this Christian message. And, but the Christian messengers are infused with all kinds of problems. And you know what? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Catholic. I listen to EWTN radio all the time in my car, and I hear some really bright people. I, I think there are, I, I'm, I, am, I mentioned mere Christianity before. I, I identify as a mere Christian. Okay, in the sense that C.S. Lewis said, where what are the essentials? It's like when he wrote that book, he said, "I'm not going to tell you whether to become a Catholic or an Anglican like right. me or this or that." Okay, so that's kind of what my walk is. Okay, and I am grateful for people from every every avenue, you know, uh, that are that are genuine. Okay, and they are the people that are holding together this world, the pro-life movement, the reason that we have. You know, the, the reason that they're still sane, half the country is still sane, Alan. you got a lot of good people in this country. Yep. Uh, and it's because of the Christian message putting out there by the, the various flavors of Christianity. But it is true that it is infected with all kinds of falseness and false teachings and false people and corrupt people and, you know, sexual abuse scandals and all these things. And that in turn feeds the secularism and the atheism to say, wow, Really? If that, you know, you're molesting little children, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it, which I understand. I remember reading Christopher Hitchens' book, God is Not Great, horrible title for a book, okay? But I agreed with a lot of what was in his book as a 40-year Christian, because all the things that he's attacking in there are all the abuses of the church. But he, he errs in, his, in the very title of the book, it's called uh, God is Not Great, Why Religion Ruins Everything. He is conflating God with religion. Mm. Big mistake, okay? Religion is what us flawed human beings do with the, the you know, message of God and you know, for mankind. Yeah, God is God and is perfect. So he made his big mistake right there on the cover of the book and he never recovered. So. Well, I think one of, of the things that I sense, there are two things which are now being exploited a lot by the Democrats, directly or indirectly, in their uh, kind of passion rhetoric, their will to power rhetoric. Um, two things. One is vengefulness, the resentment against past wrongs. And everything I hear from them reminds me of my youth, in a way, when I was... Uh, first got to know about slavery and the terrible things that had been done uh, to my ancestors and things of this kind. Fills you with anger and a desire to get your own back and so forth and so on. And if, if that had not been tempered in the course of uh, my learning and experience uh, by a more and more full understanding of what God requires of us, I think I might have been tempted to go along with these folks who are now playing on that vengefulness, acting as if what happened 200 years ago, 100 years ago to my slave ancestors should now make me a racist against white folks. And I'm going to subscribe to this racist ideology that says, in total contradiction of Martin Luther King and everything else uh, that motivated me uh, to believe in the civil rights movement, that our aim is not to judge people according to the content of their characters, but only according to the color of their skin. That's the white privilege ideology. And, and, and I look at all the black leaders subscribing to this nonsense and I say, how can you betray the fundamental motivating understanding of the civil rights movement, which relied, in fact, on the standard of God's goodwill, not human intentions, passions, vengefulness, nothing else, in order to determine how we are to relate to one another. So I think there's this vengefulness that they count on. But the other side of it, I think, is just plain old pridefulness. You know, there can't be God because then I'd have to be him. Nobody could be greater than me. And that 
informs, I think, uh, the passionate desire to do away with the whole idea that there is an aspect of the world that you can't account for through human understanding, human will, or human capacity. They just want to toss it aside so that they will have free range to pretend that all things are possible with man, that all things can be achieved by, in human ways and by human things. The final point is that this then allows them to fill the air with all kinds of promises and to get people to start basing their judgment about what should happen on these promises without examination, because the only standard by which the promise is to be judged is its sincerity, its passion, and the desire that we can all share that this should be the way things are. You'll never get there, of course, because it will involve means that destroy all prospects of human individuality, of human happiness, of of a real achievement uh, based on human capacities. But it gives you an excuse to require that human beings endure all kinds of harm in the name of this utopia that we godlike people are going to produce for you eventually. Right? Um, And I think that they rely on this now. And that that reliance is partly a result of their own pride, but it's ultimately also a result of their, how can I put it, their sense that this is the ticket that allows them to not progress, but regress all humanity to the age of superstition. Because what does it mean to believe that we are infinitely capable of reshaping the universe in our image, uh, if not uh, a, a, kind of, a kind of insanity uh, that we are now going to embrace as our destiny. Am I making sense? Okay, Alan, you know, this is the primordial um, delusion of mankind is to be God, okay? Uh, and Adam and Eve, the appeal in the garden was... Uh, don't listen to that guy. God, he's not looking out for you. I care about you, and I can make you like a god. Okay, And we've been falling for that ever since. And this is essentially what the left is doing. We, we're, my, my, my article that we we're talking about um, is saying that it's a creative power. Lying is a creative power to the left. They, just mm-hmm. like, like the beginning of Genesis, it says, and God spoke, and God spoke the universe into 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 existence is magnificent exposition. So to the left, lying is a creative force. They uh, remember, like I said, the brothers Karamazov. You know, if like if there is no God, everything is permitted. So lying is permitted, and they can change the future. They can change reality by 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 lying. You know, if you're a kid and you stole a cookie. And your mom said, you steal a cookie? And you say, no, mom, I didn't steal it. You're off the hook. A door has opened and you're free. There's power. There's, there's great power in, it's an evil power, in lying. And the left is using that right now. And uh, that, unfortunately, is what we're, we're dealing with. It sounds, they're, you know, they look like us. They talk like us. They pretend to be loyal to America. But there is a really dark spirit. It killed about 100 million plus people in the last century in the same name, socialism, communism, uh, in another part of the world. And that is rising in this country. And our, our, our putative leaders are basically in the grip of this because they are rebelling against God and they want to be in power. They want to play God. And to do that, they have to lie. And uh, that's, unfortunately, their their basic modus operandi, and that's what we're dealing with, and we need to be aware of it. Well, I think you are absolutely right, and you've also, I hope, uh, helped uh, folks who are listening to us to understand a little better the fact that what we're watching as what can appear sometimes to be just a tit-for-tat, usual political mudslinging and tit-for-tat name-calling and so forth, and so it's nothing of the kind. A decisive departure has happened in this country in the course of the last few years 
particularly on the side of those who are left-leaning Democrats or putative Republicans. It is that the self-evident truth on which the country is based, which begins with, if I can put it this way, the simple truth that there is God and we are not him, hmm, has been rejected. Amen to that. And they're trying to pretend that our will can make us God. And therefore, all things are possible if we are willing to submit to the power that will allow us to shape that future according to their whims. Uh, But where are you in all of this? You should ask yourself that. Uh, Because the world that they say is coming is only going to be built on rubble that includes your decaying corpse and bones. That's the way it's always been with socialism. That's the way it will be if we give in to the siren song of what David, you have, you, I think, rightly identified as these deceivers. Happened once before to a lady named Eve, as I recall, and it <laughs> led to great problems. It's time we realized that when they come along and tell you, listen to us and you will be like God, tell them that we're already like God, at least in all the ways that it is rational, decent, and sane to desire that appellation. He can dwell within us, but his aim is not greatness or power, and it's certainly not vengeance or murder. His aim is us, that we should be here according to his will to fulfill his good will for our preservation. Uh, If we're still willing to do that, I think we need to remember it about now and return to our allegiance to his truth. Think about that. And then join us again here at Let's Talk America.